prayers, not prayers, sorry, thoughts, questions from this morning's message. Um, oh, here they come. Here they come. Um, Ron, when's your next scan, by the way? When's your next treatment? Or your next? I have a treatment for three months every other week. And then we have probably a CT scan at the end of the Okay. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Let's begin discussion from this morning. And if you don't have any questions, I won't believe you. So... JP's got a question. Yeah, he does. So you talked about um, how you deal with your kids and um, instruction, how you talk about, you know, what happened and then, you know, um, owning, having them own up to it pretty much, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then the reconciliation and all that. Yeah. But then how do you marry that with this idea that um, at some point there is no reasoning with a child? And Oh, yeah. That's ideally what takes place, and eventually when you're dealing with, a, I mean, when, when you're, I'm going to sit over here, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, that's not taking place when you're dealing with a full-on, you know, temper tantrum, when you're dealing with a, that full-on unreasonableness, but I'd say ultimately you want to see discipline through to you get to a point where there is reasoning, where there is um, the ability to do that, and that might take some time. That might take, who knows, days of working with a bad attitude or something. But eventually, if, if you apply discipline and instruction, that, that, I, that will come to a point where you can do that. But what I'm mainly talking about there is this pattern, that there's a sense of jurisprudence and order to, to what goes through so that they know what to expect. We're now entering a well-grooved, a well-ordered system they've walked through many times. They know what to expect. There's no surprises. There's no... There's no uh, what's going on? You know, you pull them. You know, you pull them aside. You establish what happened. I, I try to give, if I, you know, um, opportunity. If there's any extenuating circumstances, especially when I don't see what happened firsthand. You know, when you get multiple kids, you get the, you hear like this sort of like police siren cry as one child feels sinned against, and then you try to figure out what happened. And you know, did he hit me? And you go, did you hit you? Know, but but there's a sense in which, like Deuteronomy 19 gives us that jurisprudence. You, you inquire diligently, and you establish the facts, and you figure out what happened. And all of this is trying to communicate to your children: this is righteous. This is just. This is based upon truth and not some capricious whim of a parent. And ideally, I want the kid to own up to what they've done. I want them to say it. You know, so, so what did you do? I disobeyed mommy. Okay. Um, good. We agree on that now. So here's what's going to happen. And then you, you deal with, you administer that, you deal with that. And then what you're looking for, and what I'm looking for, is confession and forgiveness. So it'll be something like, Daddy, I was wrong for disobeying you. Please forgive me. Oh, I'd love to forgive you. And then I try to spend just as much time snuggling and restoring as, as anything during the rebuke and discipline portion, you know, so that when we come out of that, we're actually smiling and people are happy and, you know, it's not this thing hanging over your head. Like, and that's, again, a part pointing back to the gospel. Because once, once, um, once punishment's been poured out, in our case, on Jesus, there's instantaneous peace and restoration, right? I mean, that, this gets back to the theological principle of expiation. Jesus removed God's wrath. And so I remember my son Abner being confused the first time I told him after he'd repented and asked for forgiveness and we'd done all that, that he was a good boy. What do you mean I'm a good boy? I just broke the rules. Well, you did, 
but we went through an entire um, a discipline restoration process. And the other side of that, we're good. We're clear. It's not hanging over your head for the rest of the day. You know, I'm not going to keep reminding you of what you did. You, you, took your, you took your punishment like a man. You, you owned up to what you did. You asked for forgiveness. We're restored. We're good. You know? and, and ultimately, you can point them to Jesus Christ, that principle. You know? um, and, and that works in a way that, like, you're being ground. I'm not saying there aren't times for grounding is an appropriate corollary um, punishment. It works in a way that a timeout and the stuff doesn't. There's this notion of okay, you know, the 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 punishment is poured out, it's absorbed, and then it's removed. You know, um, that's kind of a long roundabout answer to your question. Am I getting it or is there more? No, what I was asking is when there is that murder in the eyes and that rage and yeah, yes. that you know throwing off the yeah. your fetters. Um, <laughs> so do you just kind of put them in timeout until they calm down and then have the other conversation? If you, or, I would say not if you can help it. Um, because, okay, so, and I know some parents do this. The kid's freaking out, and so you just sort of put him in the crib and let him freak out, and we'll come back when you calm down. And there might be times where the kid is so, so lost, it, so tired, so provoked there's a sense in which just give them two minutes and they'll fall asleep <laughs> you know fair enough but in general what you don't want to do is say look you're going to have a you're going to vent your wrath you're going to pour out your anger and your wrath we'll give you some space and some time to do that you know you just do that to your to your heart's content and then when you're done we'll come back um so what, what i frequently will do um with the kids is they start i mean this is when you're talking you know when it's easy when they're smaller they start to kick and scream. No, it's just easy without inflicting any pain, without hurting them in any way, to just sort of immobilize them, you know, just sort of clamp down their arms. And, and then the second they relax, I relax, right? Very quickly, they'll learn that every time I start to freak out and kick and flail, I suddenly am constricted and can't move very much. <laughs> and I just sort of quietly say, no fuss, no fuss, no fuss. And, and so, um, if, and this is where consistency comes in. If the unbroken experience is every time I totally lose self-control, this happens, as opposed to, well, sometimes I get away with it and just get to run around the house screaming, then I've found, at least in experience, that I'm not dealing with the full-on temper tantrums at two and three and four um, because they've really never had an experience where that's worked out well for them. You know what I mean? But that, that, there may be, I, I know that people not my, I get it. But, I'd, but in general, I don't think it's a good thing to give them time and space to harden their heart and vent their wrath if you can help it. Now, there might be situations where there's, it's unavoidable, there's nothing we can do, just go in and cry it out. And obviously, at a very young age, you're not talking about, and this gets back to shepherding. One of the things I wanted to say this morning is there's a difference between crying and wrath and anger. Like you said, murder in the eyes, right? Um, and so I'm not saying every time the kid's crying, you need to do that. I'm saying that when, when you've studied your child long enough that you're pretty darn confident, I'm dealing with anger. I'm not dealing with crying, because they'll cry because their diaper's wet. They'll cry because they're hungry. They'll cry because they're confused. They'll cry because, whatever. But they'll also cry because they're angry. <laughs> I mean, my, my youngest will look at me like I've just betrayed her when I put her in her crib and stand up and just, you know, and if I could translate that, it'd be something like, you know, I am the Lord and I have a wonderful plan for your life and it involves getting me out of this crib now, <laughs> you know. And so, so I'd, I'd certainly say err on the side of caution if you're not sure what's going on 
give him some grace. But when you're when you're confident, no, that's just anger. That's just rebellion. Um, then that's where I would encourage starting to shepherd that and and not let them not teach them that yeah when you freak out what happens is you get all the space you want everyone backs off and you get your little alone time and they'll 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 run with that and what you're basically saying is here take the next 10 15 minutes and just harden your heart and vent your wrath and just pour gas on that flame and we'll be come back when you're done I I would try to do that as little as possible um, I, I, as I don't think that's really a good thing um, yes Lois microphone pass the microphone oh there's the mic beat you to it yeah. Okay, for JP and Natalie and the, mm-hmm. and the others that are having newborns, it can start from the very beginning yes. doing this. Yeah. That is, you know, it's going to be a better thing to put in practice. Yeah. For, for those people that are here that have children that are past yeah. that age, and <laughs> yeah. they see the wisdom in that and yeah. want to start, you know, modeling yeah. as they should, what do you do with a, a two-year-old or a four-year-old? Or that is having this kind of anger. Well, part of part of pause. Part of this we'll go into further in Daniel's. I'm see, I'll start punting questions. Dan, Daniel will deal masterfully with that question, um, and I'd hate to steal his thunder and ruin him. This, no, but no. But there's a sense in which I mean, I remember a friend of mine read Shepherding a Child's Heart, and it blew him out of the water like it blew me out of the water. By the way, Shepherding a Child's Heart, I'd heartily recommend to anybody. is just fantastic. Um, really fantastic. But basically, my friend had five kids, and he called them together and just said, hey, guys, and they're varying ages. Some were, I think maybe the youngest was two or three, and just said, Daddy's been doing some things wrong, and I'm sorry, and some things are going to have to change. Because there's a sense in which you're basically, if you come to a conviction, you're doing something wrong, and you're course correcting. And we're all doing this to varying degrees. I mean, this very morning, I had a conversation with someone I was asking them for some feedback and then what they're observing and the character and behavior of my kids. And they gave me some feedback that I made some immediate course corrections on some things with my kids. We're all making little, but if you're making some big course corrections, it's good to tell them. And again, to own up to the fact like, hey, things are going to change and they're going to change because I wasn't, I, I think I can find a better way to do things and that might be hard. And if you're used to getting away with stuff and now we're not, and then you just try to try to do that. And it, certainly, the Proverbs even warned, the longer someone is set in the path, the harder it is for them to change. But you just try to be faithful and pray that God will give grace. But no, it, it is certainly going to be harder. If someone's used to, this happens when I freak out and throw a temper tantrum, and all of a sudden this thing changes, that's going to be hard. Um, I just would encourage them to persevere and hang in there. And it gets back to the Proverbs saying, being diligent and just saying, okay, I got two or three years of, of this to undo. And also to be understanding to the kid that you know, there is a sense in which this is exasperating. This is all of a sudden, hey, wait a second, things changed. Yeah, yeah, they did. But I mean, parents who become Christian is part way through, but the same thing happens. And you just pray for grace and you're patient. But if, if you've come to be convinced something is right and good and true, I would encourage you to try to implement it and just be faithful and understand this may take a while before the, before the children learn and, and start to bear fruit. Um, and just persevere and understand that part of the reason it's taking so long is, you know, whether ignorantly or rebelliously or whatever, you, you weren't doing things as, as God laid them out. And that should hopefully give some patience and understanding. You want to go, Greg? Uh, yeah. In the uh, message, you, you said that you thought it was unwise to, to ask a child how they thought Jesus was 
feeling about what they just did or something like that. What I meant, Greg, was it, it's, it's all how you do things. You could be very sanctimonious and you would sit, you know, your kid, I can just picture this scenario. The kids are at dinner and they're, you're stupid and you're, you know, you just, I wonder what God in heaven looking down from above thinks about this situation. How do you think, it, I mean, you could do that like a club. Yeah, you could absolutely ask the exact same question sincerely and legitimately and say, Man, let me ask you, what do you think God thinks of this? I, I'm just saying the sort of the beating someone over the head, just using it as like a as a as a like like Santa Claus as a guilt trip. So it's all in how you're doing it. There's absolutely that's a valid question to ask. But it's I'm talking about the way that you do it in such a way that it makes it clear you're just trying to guilt trip the person. You're not actually leading them to consider that question. I can only imagine the shame that God feels when he, you know, and Jesus died on the cross, so that, and then you have to do this. And it, it's all how you do it. So I don't want, all of those things I just said could absolutely be said the right way. I'm, I'm only getting at, um, well, it's, it's sort of the inverted version of in, in marriage. You know, Serena will sometimes say to me, if I'm saying something to her, trying to correct her, are you, are you, is the heat coming off of you, is the passion and the zeal coming off of you due to your concern for righteousness, God's glory and my good, or that you're not getting your own way? <laughs> I married, I married the right woman. That's what I need to hear periodically. Amen and amen. You got to be careful when you say that. And so that, that's, and I think kids could pick up on that. What you don't want to do is, oh no, here comes the, and again, this also comes into whether your kids are seeing you as under God's law and seeing you repent, or is this only something the parent whips out to whip you in line, but they never, they never fall, follow it either. Um, is that, get it what you're getting at, Greg, or, okay. Microphone. I was thinking, well, I think it's legitimate to talk to your kids and, and to, continually remind them that that God is there he's he's up there yeah. and he's concerned about you yes. and and he's it's not just some yes formula we're following we're really trying to please God and right. and so I when you when I heard you say I, I understand what you're saying okay. that, that that can be used just like a a, cl- a club I, I do think Guilt isn't always wrong. Oh, no, guilt's, wrong. Guilt's, um, guilt is not always yeah. wrong. Guilt, when it's righteous guilt, is wonderful. Um, I mean, how else does God bring us to salvation except the Spirit comes and convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment? Um, absolutely. So, no, no. Yeah, it's all about how it's done. That's, that's all I'm trying to get at is, and this gets back to motives, righteous motives, unrighteous motives. Um, you want to communicate to your kids that you actually do want them to care what God thinks. And not just, you only pull that, if, if the only time you're referencing what God thinks is when they're being naughty and never, I think that really pleased God. You were just obedient. And you know that, that God, biblical men filled with the Holy Spirit, like Third John, nothing gives me more joy than to know that my children are walking in love. And he's reflecting the heart of God. And, you know, you just helped your brother and sister out. That, God's pleased by that. If you're giving a full or picture, but if the only time they're ever faced with the thought of what does God think about that is, I wonder what God in heaven thinks when he sees, you know, they're going to quickly get sick of it. And it's really not very sincere. Yeah. Okay. Elsa. I have a comment and a question. A comment and a question? Question. Okay. Did you raise both hands? Concerning 
Concerning consistency. Yeah. Looking at it from, I mean, I'm going to become a grandmother. Yes. New role for me, right? Yes. And listening to what you said this morning about consistency, even me as a grandparent, I need to know how they are disciplining yes. the children so I can be consistent yes. in their discipline. Yes. And my question is then, you often hear grandparents say, oh, when I get the grandkids, I spoil them and they get away with this and blah, 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 and then I send them home. Isn't that an incredibly unbiblical, selfish thing for a grandparent to do, to not discipline the same as the parents do? Yes. You undermine, you undermine the authority of the parent. Um, when my mom moved in, we had a frank, hi, mom, we had a frank conversation. Well, no, what's tough is because few topics in, in anyone's life are they more touchy about than their parenting and, and their marriage, right? So there's few topics we feel least welcome and invited to speak to. And so what I told my mom was, you're going to see our parenting. And if you got any questions, you got any critique, you got any thoughts, I, I welcome that. Like, I don't think we got it all together. I don't think we're perfect. But the other thing I asked her, and I did it ahead of time. It's not that she does this, but I just thought it'd be helpful. Um, was just, but please, 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 never in the moment confuse the child by dis. Like, here's these authorities in their lives, and they're saying different things. That's just going to confuse them and complicate things. Please don't do that in the moment. So if I do something you disagree with, um, please say if that. Please come talk to me. I want you to feel free to come talk to me. Please don't in the moment undercut that. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to throw you under the bus, mom. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, and, and 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 telling her to feel free to hold them to the same standard. You know that, like, look, you know, this is what we require of our kids. You, you're an authority. You're in the home. You can require that of them as well. You don't need to be apologetic. Part of the problem is people are so apologetic about um, wielding authority, partly because we see it done so poorly. But I mean, I don't, you don't need to bark and be a bully, but you can just say to your kid, hey, Abner, stop what you're doing, and I want you to go and pick up your room. You don't need to be, you know, you don't be an ogre, but a clear command was given, right? I, you don't need to be apologetic for that. And my, my, my mother's in the home, and so she's, she's an authority, and she can tell them to do things. You know, and and it'd be, if you're being unreasonable or constantly giving them commands, well, yeah, that might exasperate them. That's not considering their frame and considering where they're at. But yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you don't need to constantly... Well, this is... What? No, I won't go there. Okay, sorry. Let's get off on a tangent. Yes, hold on. Oh, who, who, candy first. And Serena. Serena has a. Doesn't, are you supposed to ask your husband at home? Oh. My okay. question was, Sorry. could I have a comment? And then Elsa had two uh, comments. I figured it was safe. Oh. Um, I was just going to add when you were talking about you. You, you basically said it that um, with the whole God thing is also um, bringing him in when they're scared as mm. a comforting person, not mm. just the bogeyman or the bogeyman. Like we've had a lot of conversations recently about how we're thankful that all the dinosaurs are dead. And so they can't terrorize us when we're in our beds at night? This is a real concern for small children. <laughs> no, no, I did not. My children were terrified for a week because they watched an Iwana video with puppets. <laughs> and I've seen all the clown stuff going on. And then, and then uh, my, my other comment was, 
about spoiling grandchildren, you can you can still spoil grandchildren without undermining their discipline because like when my mom comes to visit, we do special things when grandma's there that we don't normally do. So maybe we eat some extra dessert or we read extra stories or we have more fun, less structured time, but it's they still my parents have been really good as well about still upholding our parenting. So it's not like you get away with things. You just get to do special things because you're with grandma. Yeah. Yeah. Greg, we will get back over to you. We'll get over to you, Janet. I, <clears throat> I think it's very important, and I, I know you, you indicated you do this with your mom, that if you have grandparents that are going to be around your kids, that you parents need to give them authority or, or yeah. you need to also um, ex- explain to them what's acceptable yeah. and yeah. so they can be consistent but you need to give them permission oh, yeah. uh, uh, be, because otherwise I can speak uh, from experience that if you don't know that you have the permission to do something you're very reluctant to do it yeah. even though you know it's right that I, yeah. I need to yeah. uh, the other day just to give an example one of my grandchildren was running down the driveway towards the street. I, yeah, it was a one-year-old. Who did? Bria. It was Bria. Okay. okay. Way to go. Okay. <laughs> I guess my wife suggests I need to explain it was Bria. <clears throat> uh, and she, I told her to stop, and she wouldn't. Uh, she didn't. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to catch up with her, but I thought, you know, I need to let her know yeah. that that is not okay. And yet, as I was doing that, I thought, uh, am I going to be okay with Jeremy right. and Christie? No, no, this, this is important. because Oh, I, she did. No, no, she, no. she did. What parents, what you can do is you can establish the other people's authority and help them out. Like, I'll, this is what I'll do, especially if I'm someone, my mother or someone's watching my kids, because I don't want my kids to obey everyone all the time, because there's some creepy people. Um, and so I, I'll say, look, I mean, when, when mom, when my mom moved in, Abner, Zadik, so you know, my kids, you're to obey Gran like you would us, and to dishonor and disobey her is to dishonor and disobey us. She tells you to do something, you do it. If you have any questions, you can ask me about it. But that's you know, and if someone's going to watch our kids, um, I mean, Patty, you've heard me do this. Children, you are to obey Patty and Uncle um, Wendell, Grandpa Wendell, like you would us, and it, I'm. And right in front of them, so they hear it too. So you, they, they, and I'm going to ask when I come home whether you did or not, and and there'll be consequences if you don't. That I'm leaving you in their care, and I want you to honor and obey them as you would us. Um, that doesn't always apply for Wendell and Patty. Um, you know, there's a sense. No, there's a sense in which they should always treat them with respect because they're older, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons why you can parents, you can do what you want. One of the reasons why I insist my kids call older people with some title or name, aunt, uncle, mister, missus. I want it to be really clear from the outset that you're not a peer. You're not their peer. Um, I don't need to respect my peers. I don't need to treat my peers with honor. I mean, there's a certain amount of you bear the image of God, honor, respect, fair enough. But I interact horizontally with equals in a way that I don't. You appeal up, you command down. That's the way authority works. And I want my kids, and every time they address somebody, to make it clear, I'm willing to assume my position. That, that's the purpose. So if, if you think it's weird that my kids call you uncle or Mr. or Mrs., that's the, the logic behind it. So there's no confusion. Hey, buddy. You know, hey, Zeb. You know, I'll call Zeb Zeb. My kids aren't. Um, 
you guys can do what you want. There's another, there's another thing that we do is if we give instruction to our kid, I want the kid to verbally, my child, my mom gets mad, I call them kids, right, mom? Yes, she's nodding. Um, I want my children, it's sort of like catching a ball. If I give an instruction or command, so there's no confusion later whether they heard, I want them to make eye contact and say, yes, daddy. So, Abner, I want you to put that down. I want you to go help Gran um, with the gate. Yes, daddy. We're good. Okay. Uh-huh. And if I get like, uh-huh, what? Yes, daddy. And you know, we're back to that. Um, and these are some helpful things so that later they can, I didn't hear you. You know, I, I remember when you looked me in the eye and said, yes, daddy. I should have been. I went to military school for three years. Okay, yeah. No, but these are just helpful little tips. It's not just to be a, an ogre. It's just to be clear. Do we, are we on the same page? You've received the instruction. You've got it? Good. There's, there's not any confusion later. You meant that? Yes. Yes, microphone. I just have a comment about the... Is the mic on? Yes. Okay. I just... No. <laughs> okay, so I have a comment about the having your kids say, yes, daddy. Don't... And um, just sometimes that can just become a habit for your yeah. kids to just be like, yes, daddy, and they didn't pay attention at all to what you said. Mm-hmm. And so a thing that I've had to do when I supervised a janitorial crew at work mm-hmm. since dealing with the people that I worked with was similar to dealing with children. Um, (laughs) There was one girl that would just say yes to everything that I told her to do, and then she wouldn't do it. And so I made her repeat back word for word what I said. No, and we've got more complicated instructions. This is, by the way, you heard me say don't give warnings, don't count the 10. Mm -hmm. There are some things you could do instead to mitigate that that I don't think are bad. The the reason why giving warnings and counting the 10 is a bad idea is you're just training your kid not to obey right away all the way with a happy heart. You're really training them. So you get to three and a half and three quarters is when they really need to do something. But what you can do ahead of time, right, okay, is like... Let's just say I can tell one of my kids is tired. You know, Zadok skipped his nap. He didn't sleep. He's on fumes. His ability to obey is weak. He is weak right now. I can pull him aside and sort of the equivalent of you see those boxing movies where the coach is there, you know, rubbing the. Okay, Zadok, I know you're tired, but here's what you need to do. And I need you just to keep it together for another few minutes and you can go to sleep, okay? So tell me again what you're going to do. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to go in my pajamas. I'm going to get into bed. Okay, good. Can you, you think you can focus and do that? Yeah, okay, go. So you can do all of the warning and encouraging and helping before you issue the command, right? But once, once it flies from your mouth and you've told them to do something, that's where, okay, it's, it's kind of too late now. You can either teach them something wrong about obedience or you can, okay, I told them. That, that's why if you've got a kid who's really weak and fragile and tired, tell them to do less stuff. <laughs> No, no, I'll, I'll do that sometimes. Like, Zadok is so tired. Right now, it's mainly him. He, Sophie can make it without a, a nap and be okay, but Zadok, if he doesn't get a nap or doesn't sleep, he just, he gets like, like it's, it's like a version of drunkenness. So he'll just be on fumes and he'll just be like, ah. and it's just kind of like, no, no. And, and so we're going to give him less instruction. We're going to require less of him. What I can't do is let him still, I can't let him disobey and say it's okay, he's tired. Now he disobeyed, we gotta address that. But I can give him less opportunities to disobey by requiring less of him. And as a way of being mindful of his frame and his weakness. Um, that's, so there are options you can do when you can tell your kid, man, is weak, they're sick, they're really tired, whatever it might be. But what you can't do is call evil good. 
You tell them to do something, they don't do it, and you, oh, that's fine. That, that's what you can't do. Um, but you can give them less opportunities to rebel by giving them less commands or less instruction. That, that is certainly, you can certainly do. Um, can we get to Janet? Janet had a question. Um, as we were talking from the grandparent perspective, and yeah. we don't have this situation, but I'm thinking of grandparents that are not with their grandchildren mm. very often. And um, if they were to be, um, you know, younger age up through teenage, and they come and visit grandparents, and they have not been instructed by their parents mm. in the ways of the Lord. Yeah. Um, you know, in your household, you want them to be that, yeah. you know, follow the Lord's word. But so how would you approach that? Well, you got to have some frank conversations, I think, with the parents as well of what your standards, what your expectations for conduct are. And, and honestly, this could be an issue of, uh, of, of conflict between kids and parents and grandparents. You know, it's some extreme. Is there a microphone over by Serena? Tell them, I mean, tell them about your, your grandmother and the piano lessons and what would happen. Is it on? This is the most extreme, bizarre case I've ever heard of, but it was kind of sad about how the mother would say, remember, so-and-so doesn't tolerate you. Oh, yeah, no, you know that what I'm was talking a, about. Yeah. A, a different thing. Um, a friend used to do daycare in her home when she was like 13, 14. I thought that was your grandmother. No. The piano and lessons. That was a naughty child to my grandma. Okay. That she didn't do anything. My grandma doesn't do discipline oh. people ever. Oh, ever. sorry. Okay. Um, my grandma would just put up with it. No, okay. um, my friend. Would you like a cookie? This, yeah. this, she'd been babysitting this little boy for a long time, and his, he was, as he got older, he would disobey his mom completely, didn't obey her at all. But he was an angel at their house because they had rules. And so it got so bad that every time his mom would come pick him up, if she stood in the door to talk to the adults at all, he would turn into this monster. And they didn't want to override the mom, so they finally just, the mom would even say it like, you can't act that way at Aunt Leela's house. Because he knew he couldn't act that way at daycare. But he would do that for his mom. It was Because it was so, he knew. And he was only, even like two maybe. He knew there was like, one way he behaved at daycare and one way he behaved at home. Yeah. So you just got, you got, to, you got to communicate and talk and explain what expectations are. Say, look, you might need to say if you're a grandparent to your kids, look, I know God's given you the responsibility to raise your kids as you see fit. And there's some wonderful freedom, by the way, in, in the Hebrews 12 passage. Our fathers did as best they could. There's a sense which we're all sort of trying to muggle through this. Um, but in my home, I'm going to ask that you keep the kids from screaming and running around like, you know, whirling dervishes or whatever it is you're going to say. And they can either say, okay, or they can say no, you know, and then you can figure out whether you want to invite them over or not. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's ultimately what it'll come down to. I wouldn't want to usurp the parent's authority. You know, I wouldn't want to take it from them and, and say, well, I'm going to, you know, if, but basically what you're going to say is, look, these are the standards in my home. This is what we're going to do. And, uh, are you okay with that? And your kids can either say yes or no, or if they say no, then you can figure out how to make that work. But, you know, um, I just would talk to the parents and not bypass or try to undercut the parents. And that's what's tough is, you know, what are you going to do if your standards or what you're holding to are totally different than their parents? You don't want to undermine the parents. You don't want to turn the children against them, you know? Yeah, you would run the risk of losing your children's um, right. um, faith or, or their willingness to share their grandchildren with you. Right. Right. No, absolutely. But no, but in some cases it might come to that. Yeah. I mean, um, if, if I had, if, if, if let's just say 
my wife, my wife's parents are not this way at all. They're actually incredibly consistent, supportive of this. But let's just say um, my wife's parents, who who are Christians and missionaries and church planters, weren't, and they undermined what we were saying and they permitted the kids to do stuff. I'd have to say eventually you can't spend time with my kids. Once it gets to the point where my kids are stumbling over that, my kids are bearing the bad fruit of that. And we love you and we want our children to have a good relationship with you, but spending time with you is at their detriment. They come home from spending an afternoon at your house and they're wild. And it's more important, like maybe my kids will mature and be strong enough to deal with your bad influence. You probably wouldn't say it like that, but, <laughs> but right now, but right now they're not, right? Um, it's kind of like if you notice your kids are picking up bad habits from hanging out with other, you're probably going to distance them from that because you want to ultimately protect their character. You may have to say something like that. Hopefully it won't come to that. And I'd be very, very cautious about how to say that. But yeah, you might need to come to that. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, we all get that implicitly if they go over to grandma's and grandma's giving them cigarettes, you know, they'd be like, okay, you can't go to grandma's. But, but, but if you get it in principle, there, there it is. Yes, Wendell. Okay, microphone to Wendell. I think that's important in, in any case because as you your children get older, whether they're kids of a um, that perhaps aren't a, a Christian family, uh, when you start inviting, uh, you, when your kids start bringing dates or other people into your What's house. What's wrong with fruit? Dates. Plums. Yeah, exactly. I, I I like pears. Pops. What is this you're talking of, Wendell? But uh, yeah, well, oh. but when they start, you know, I think it's very important uh, because that will carry on through to those teenage years that whoever is brought into your home that they have parameters to um, to operate within and what your rules are for your house uh, that is your house. And they also apply to your children, so it gives them some parameters um, um, to remain safe in because they will become hurt if they don't. Yeah. Well, I've no, never and, said that. No, let me say this. I, I have, in my experience, children intuitively work with this. My first experience applying any of these principles, I read Shepherding a Child's Heart, and I worked at Camp Good News as a counselor. And of course, in Camp Good News, my, the equivalent of my rod is you, can, you lose swim time, right? That's, that's the strongest discipline I can bring is you don't lose swim time. But I saw week after week, and for the four summers that I worked there, the same thing happened. I'd always start off, and I'd be really clear, um, I'd say, look, guys, I'm your counselor. Your parents, has, your parents have put you in my care, and so by extension of them from God, God wants you to obey your parents, right? Yeah. Okay, your parents have put you in my care. So do your parents want you to listen to me? Yes. And God wants you to listen to your parents. So you follow the plug all the way back to the wall. So to disobey me is to disobey who your parents, which is to disobey God, right? Right. Okay, great. So here's the deal. God's got us in this relationship. I'm to pour myself out, shepherd, look after you for your good. We're going to have a great week. You're to listen to what I say in the small sphere where I get to tell you what to do, which isn't a, which is a limited sphere. Now, if you'll embrace that with me, we're, we're going to have a great time. We're going to have a great week. If you won't, we're going to have problems. And um, the Bible talks about how if you love your kids, you'll, you'll discipline, you'll deal with that. And I will love you. I will love each and every one of you. And, uh, and, and so I'd start out that way, you know, and just sort of explain where we're at. And I'd see other counselors come in, and they would 
try to appeal purely off of the relationship. Hey guys, we're gonna have a great time this week. Is it gonna have a lot of fun? Let's. And by the end of the week, those guys would just be exhausted, and it'd be guys, come on guys, and and the kids in my cabin would be all like you know jumping to and stuff, and not not because I'm barking at them, but I I found that these kids understood and actually it's, it's like a train likes rails. You know, you can let a train loose in the wide open field. Be free. No, a train does well with the order. And I think children do as well. I really, really firmly believe that. that um, and I'm talking about kids coming from a, dis- a variety of households. And they'd be just trying to be some consistency and order. And, and uh, inevitably, you know, that first night with my cabin, there'd be somebody press me to see if I'm serious. And... You know, I sort of walk through this. It's sort of a learning instruction for everyone else. You know, the Proverbs say, when a, when a scoffer is rebuked, the naive become wise. Um, and so some kid would be talking after lights out, and I'd walk in the cabin, and I'd say, okay, who talked? And somebody would, they'd either rat the person out, or, you know, somebody would own up to it. And I'd walk up to them, and I'd say, okay, what happened? And they'd say, I was talking, and I'd, and I'd try, and I'd belabor the process, and I'd say, okay, were there any, were there any, any particular reason why you were talking? Why were you talking? I was talking because I wanted the flashlight that Bobby had. Okay. When I told you guys to be quiet, did I say be quiet unless you want the flashlight that the other person? No. So did you? Did you? And I'm trying to lead them somewhere, right? And this is usually my first um, blush with these kids in the cabin. And so, so did you obey or disobey? I, I disobeyed. Okay. And we talked earlier about. Um, about that, and, we, and if, what did we say? Because your parents put you here. If you disobey me, you're disobeying. And they, they, you, they can they know where you're going, and they're a little hesitant. They have they they start putting questions in their answers. My, my parents, yes, yeah, yeah, okay. And disobeying your parents is disobeying who? God is the question. Okay, yeah, no, no, fair enough, good, good. You're getting it. So you disobeyed God. Okay, what is what does the Bible call that? What's, what's the word we call that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> did, did, you, did, you, did you just sin? Yes. <laughs> okay, no, good, good. So we're on the same page. You sinned. Okay. And, and this is what I'd say to them in, in the camp. So, so what are you going to do about that? And they'd look at me and they'd be like, What? And I'd say, well, biblically, there's two, there's two routes here we can go down. Um, you sinnings could invite some sort of response or correction, discipline from me. And then you have the choice to either embrace that as God's good gift and as something that's going to instruct and train you up. Or you can harden your heart and grumble and stiffen your neck and be a fool. And ultimately, that path will lead to the foolishness and the hardness that says there is no God and leads to destruction and, and you will die. <laughs> not today, not in my cabin. Not today, not in my cabin, but that's one path. There's another path. There's another path. You can receive the correction that you're going to get. You can receive the discipline and you can embrace that and you can you can um you can you can not be a fool to that. You can receive instruction. And ultimately, you can ask for God's forgiveness and here's the amazing thing because Jesus died on the cross, he'll forgive you. That's Just, basically what I told my uh, young men my daughters would bring home. But, it, but part, part of that, part of that, the die part was true, but I was a lot more brief. Yes, yes. Let me get the short version. You're going to die. Um, 
Yeah. I just said uh, this world isn't big enough for you to hide in. So that was that was kind of <laughs> embellished yeah. on what you said. Yeah. No, but 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 what what I was belaboring, and I was belaboring it with that, such a stretched out version. It was my first time with those kids. I want them to see the logic of what's happening. I want them to see this is what, I, what I'm trying to do. With, and here's the thing with wisdom. Wisdom, you want this, them to see the beauty in wisdom. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. This is why this is happening. Now, sure, they can be a scoffer and a fool and say, I hate that. Okay, then fine. Fine. There's still going to be the consequence. There's still going to be the discipline. I'm, I'm, I'm sad you're being a fool. It doesn't change anything. But I'd love for you to begin to see this and, and embrace this out of wisdom. I mean, what's, what's wonderful now is I'm starting to get to an age with my older kids, especially Abner, where I can appeal to him, right? Where I can pull him aside and, and correct him and he'll hear me, you know? And, and so I'm able to start to put away some of the earlier tools and work more with instruction. You get that again in the Proverbs. Now, whenever you're getting back to that foolishness or when God shows you through repeated transgression that they're really not listening, then, okay, we're back to foolishness now and we need to pull out those tools. But, but, but more and more, I can move to instruction and counsel, which is a wonderful thing. I mean, I was talking to a parent last year. Man, in the early years, you're just bread and butter, eating potatoes. <laughs> but But... As, as you are diligent there, I'm finding in later years, if you're doing less and less of that and more and more of the Proverbs, come, my son, and hear me and listen to me and learn um, from, from wisdom. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to teach my, my son a board game, and he's, he's already got it. I, I know how to do this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of instruction, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's right. Daddy was trying to explain this to you. You didn't want you were being foolish, weren't you? Don't be foolish. Hear me. And amazingly, sometimes they go, okay. Like that worked. You know, I mean, like that appeal to wisdom was sufficient. Wonderful, you know? Um, and so that's that's happening more and more these days, which is wonderful. You know, you're moving more into instruction and that type of that type of thing. Um, so that's good. We're just about out of time. Any other burning questions or thoughts? Bridget. Um, in your sermon, you quoted Proverbs twenty-five, twenty-eight, with um, controlling your spirit. Yes. And I was just wondering, um, with this, I could see how a child could maybe kind of fall into being Pharisaical by changing their outward behavior. Oh. But how do you kind of prevent oh, yeah. that? No, I'm I'm simply dealing with like a muscle, the ability to make yourself do something you don't want to do. That is a skill. And it doesn't necessarily make you righteous. I mean, I'm not even posing this in terms of righteousness and unrighteousness. Um, I, I remember one time I had one of my children unconsolably upset because they only got to have one story read to them, not two. And so when we told them, that, no, you're only having one story read, they didn't want the one story read anymore. I mean, you know, that type of craziness. I mean, it's just insanity. It doesn't make any sense. If I can't have two stories, I don't want any stories. Okay, so we deal with that. We're on the other side. They're still crying. And now, amazingly, they will take the one story. It's too late. You can't have the one story. And I just talked to them and said, look, here's the deal. Um, your, your heart said you wanted two stories. And when you couldn't get two stories, your heart said to just get angry. And, and, and you listened to that. And now you have no stories. You didn't get any story tonight. Does that make any sense? You said of being saying, I'll be happy with one story. I want to, but I'll take one. You said, I don't want any story. Do you see how just ridiculous that is? And the kid sort of nodded, and I said, what you've got to learn to do is control your spirit so that next time your heart says, I didn't get what I want, get mad. 
you, you're learning the self-discipline to say no. Now, I'm not putting in this in righteous, like that makes you pleasing to God. This is just a life skill. I mean, we got people in our culture today who can't get out of bed and go to work because they've never learned to control their own spirit. They've never learned to do something they don't want to do. So I'm putting it purely like a muscle, like the same ability to eat foods you don't like. It's, it's, isn't, you're right. You could train them to be a Pharisee if you're attaching moral value to that. I'm just attaching like, this is a skill you will learn or you're not going to live very well or very long. If, if every time you have a feeling, it just sets up shop and rules your heart and rules you, <laughs> you're going to be a terrible person and you're going to be a curse to society, and you're going to have a miserable life. So the way I'd avoid the Pharisaism of that is by not meaning you're a good little boy. But I do encourage them. When I can see my kid, and you can see this, he's struggling to control his spirit. He's about to cry, and he's keeping it together. I'll encourage him. That was well done. That was well done. You're growing. See, you're growing and controlling your spirit. Good. But I'm using it more in categories like tying your shoe, and you're you're eating your food, not... You're a good little sunbeam, and God, lo- you know, you're, that's how you get to the sort of the Pharisaism. Um, so, sorry. Okay, my wife wants this. Okay, my wife will close us out, and then we'll be truly done. But this could take a while, I warn you. Is because the emotion your child have, is having isn't the sin, it's what they're, how they're acting on it. So, controlling your spirit doesn't mean stop having the bad emotion, it means learn to express it appropriately. So, yeah. Yeah, but no, it, it's nothing. I mean, seriously, few things give me better joy, more joy than watching my kids that struggle and winning, starting to win occasionally, where you can tell they want to lose it, they want to freak out, and just yes, mommy. And I want to encourage that because I know that's hard work. I mean, you know, um, but but that's that's a life skill that is fun, absolutely necessary. And you, you, I'm sure you know people and interact with people who never learned that, and you know how terrifying that can be you know um, and the proverbs go on to speak to adults who are full-grown who've done that the person given to wrath avoid them you know we all know people who so-and-so can just get angry and blow up that is not like the proverbs are going to warn people to avoid you if you can't figure this stuff out um you know okay with that we will uh break and in two weeks Pastor Daniel will be up here. I'll be in part of it, but Pastor Daniel will be doing very, very specific.